from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. It's 5 p.m. 5 p.m. You're stuck working and disconnected from the sports world. What the hell is going on? Don't sweat it. The OG will catch you up on the biggest stories, the latest developments, and let you know who said something dumb on social media today. I just tweeted it. What's trending is now on the OG. Alongside Joe Giglio, I'm Joe Obias. Dennis Cox is the producer of this program. Updates on DeMar Hamlin after last night's Monday night football game, which was suspended. That game will not resume this week, according to the NFL. Questions as to whether they should even try to resume it at any point with one week left in the regular season. Let's log on to the internet, shall we? It's brought to you by Geico. you got a choice of ways that you can save on car insurance. Call 1-800-947-AUTO. Go online to geico.com or stop by the Geico office nearest you. Let's get it. Are you ready for a 90-team NCAA tournament in men's and women's basketball, Joe? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a matter of time. So, yeah, let's just make this happen. The man. NCAA Transformation Committee, they've issued their final recommendation to expand championship tournaments to incorporate 25% of the participating teams. For basketball, that would get us to about 90. Now, of course, it's not exactly divisible by four. So, they'll have to work on that. 96. 96 seems like the next logical step for the NCAA tournament. Um, what, once this transformation committee had had started talking about the number of teams that actually make postseason play being more uniform across the board. Yes, 25% of participating yeah. teams in the sport. Now, if you were going to have 25% of 300-plus teams in Division One basketball – well, then we're talking about an unruly number. But 96 always felt like it was the next evolutionary step. The question is, and we, we've seen this play out with the college football playoff, Are the is there an appetite for this on television? Okay. That's the question. Clearly, there's an appetite for expanded college football playoffs, and the money followed suit. My understanding is that the television deal with the NCAA tournament, which is split up, between TBS, between uh, Turner Broadcasting and CBS, that to 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 cover for the cost because it's very expensive, it is good through twenty thirty two. So you'd have to you'd have to work with your television partner to see where exactly this is going. And the one thing that's going for the NCAA tournament and why ninety six would easily be signed off on is because live sports continues to be the only thing that broadcast channels generate ratings for. Now. I would remind you <laughs> that people are watching NFL in droves. I think it was like 75 of the top 100 programs in 2022 were NFL games of Seems some low. sort or more than that. It's, yeah. it's something ridiculous like that because you have to account for college football playoff games, NCAA tournament games, award shows, that kind of stuff, news coverage, etc. So this is going to happen, and honestly, once you got to 68, What's 96, man? Seriously. I'm at the point where go 128 if you want to. At this point, what difference does it make? You get more tournament basketball. Yeah, I mean, it's the same premise. You want to involve more teams. You want to keep more parts interested. You know, 
look, I, I think the tournament was fine at 64, but, we'll, but here's, we'll, it's not like it's no, going to hurt I'm, it. I'm with you. I'm with I don't you think it's going to hurt it. I, I, the, the, the tournament was fine at 64, but once you've gone to 68 and you've shoehorned in that first four in Dayton, and regardless of whether or not Dayton does a great job hosting that sure. event, and Dayton and has embraced it. They embrace it. They love hosting events in Dayton. Once you once you showed that you're willing to shoehorn some weird wonky things where we don't even fill them out in the bracket, well then you know what it's just going to eventually grow again. And I my only other thought on this is because I remember it was was it Jim Phillips who talked about ACC commissioner who talked about more opportunities, or it was one of the ads who talked about yeah, the they vested spent too much money and then they're getting left out and they're getting left out right yeah. Here's it was Jim Phillips. It was Jim Phillips. Okay. Well, here's the issue. If you think that certain basketball programs are going to be happy making the NCAA tournament field at 96 and that's going to save your coach's bacon, you are sorely mistaken. Because much like bowl games, not all NCAA tournament entries are created equally. You might have a bad seed. You might make tournament and keep getting your ass handed to you by lower-seeded teams. All these things simply change the context in when your fan base is done with your coach, okay? So just something to be careful what you wish for type of situation if you expand the NCAA tournament. Next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. Did you have a ticket for Georgia or TCU? I had a Georgia ticket. Okay. When is this game? Is it in two weeks? Is it three weeks? Speaking of March Madness, does this game get played before the NCAA tournament championship? Well, they have to kick it out of Monday, so then they I think they don't like playing it on Tuesday. There's a weird reasoning for why they do the way they do. <laughs> so, well, I think they're waiting for the end of the regular. Well, no, do we have we do have a Super Monday situation uh, next week? Anyway, yeah, I still like Georgia in this game. The Hypno Toad, great story. You you actually illustrated in the previous segment all the ways in which Michigan probably could have won that game against TCU. I still think that Georgia's defense is, regardless of what we saw against Ohio State, is still too good, as great of a story as Max Duggan is, too good to be held down like that. TCU's an amazing story. They went 5-7 and seven last year, and now they're here mm-hmm. in the championship game after beating a Michigan team that was favored by a touchdown. Here's the problem, though. We talk about repeatability, yeah. right? TCU had two pick sixes, and their opponent had two trips inside the one-yard line that resulted in zero points. Okay, cool. Do it again. Do it again. That game was was drunker than me on Saturday. Oh, it was an amazing game. It was ridiculous. I was actually more impressed with Michigan in that loss than I was at any point this season at anything they did. Sure. Because McCarthy was was slinging that thing. I thought they they were fighting back in the way that they were. But they had a chance there at the end. Couldn't make it come on. Got an interesting question from a listener related to Sonny Dykes. Back, he goes, hey, Joe, I can't find any official info on this. But back in 2012, Sonny Dykes was a front runner for the NC State head coaching vacancy. Local news reported him as a top guy on the list, and he even came in an interview. Then nothing happened. What happened? How much time you got for this one? <laughs> yeah, the listener kept on wondering, was Sonny, was Sonny Dykes suddenly not interested? Did Debbie Yao turn her nose no, no, up? No. What happened? Nope. nope. Okay. Sonny Dykes and Dave Doran have the same agent, Jordan Bazant. Mm-hmm. Mark Gottfried also had the same agent, Jordan Bazant. Jordan now works for Fox. Mm-hmm. Okay. At the time, 
when Debbie was interviewing coaches. This is after she went through the long search with Mark and basically went to Jordan and said, all right, who you got for me in football? And he said, I got two guys. This is great. I got Sonny Dykes and I've got Dave Dorn. Mm -hmm. So she talked to them both. But he also said, hey, I just want you to know Cal is interested in Sonny Dykes. So Debbie talked to Sonny and said, you know what? I, I think you're probably right. Cal might be a better fit for Sonny than he is for NC State. Mm -hmm. The appeal for Dave was always, he was a little bit younger, and and his ability to recruit. That was always one of the big things that, that sold Debbie. So nobody ever turned their nose down. It was almost like a mutual agreement. Yeah. Like it was almost like, hey, I got two guys for you. Who do you like better? Because basically I think the other one would be a better fit at Cal. And that's how it ended up working out. Maybe some stuff you might have learned today. Next up. Speaking of Dave Doran, he's now lost his last three bowl games. This one, 16-12 to 12, to Merland on Friday in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. I'm still trying to figure out the field goal down 12-6. to six. Yeah. Still trying to figure out. Excuse me. At that time, I think it was 13-9. to nine. Still 13, trying to figure six, out. 13-6, made out. it 13-9, I think. Yeah. yeah. No, it was 13-9. They kicked the field goal to make it 13-12. Mm-hmm. Instead of going for it on fourth well, and they three. Probably they probably thought they could stop Maryland again and kick another field goal. This game. after they got the interception in plus territory to give them a chance to win the football game. I, I think I've told you this parable before about the person who, who drowns and they go to heaven and they ask God, what happened? I've never told you this one. You've before. never told me this oh parable. Oh, my goodness. This, is, this was Dave Dorton with asking his defense over and over again. There's a, there's a, a, a person going through a hurricane. And the flood comes, and and the police come, and they say, "Hey, all right, ma'am, we're we're gonna take you and take mm -hmm. you to safety." No, no, no. God's gonna give me a sign. Waters rise. He goes up. Person goes up to the first level of the house. Now they're on the deck. Yeah. And here comes somebody on a boat. They go, uh, "Sir, we're we're gonna take you to safety we, we, now. We gotta get you out of here. We're gonna get you out of here." No, no, no. I'm waiting for a sign from God. Storm continues. The water continues to rise. Person now goes onto the roof. A helicopter comes. And they go, sir, really? Here comes a helicopter. We've got to get you out of here. No, 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 no. I'm waiting for a sign from God. Water continues to rise. The man drowns. Ends up at the, the gates at heaven. Says to, says to Jesus, he goes, I was waiting for the sign. What happened? And Jesus says, I, I sent you a car. <laughs> I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter. What else did you want? Here's Dave. I got a pick six in the end zone. I got a fourth down stand. And then I got another pick in uh, plus territory to give you a chance to win the football game. Yeah. And you're asking for more signs? You're asking for more stops from the defense? They almost pulled it off. Like, what else? No, they did not almost pull they it almost off. Damn it. it. They almost pulled it off. No, they did saying, not. I'm just saying they almost no, pulled it off. No, they That's did the not. Part. Here's, look, man. Bowl, bowl, game, bowl games are what you want to make out of them, okay? You know, like Carolina loses their bowl game. And, it, it, again, it was more of a microcosm of their season, too, where their defense in the fourth quarter, which had done a decent enough job. You'd like to talk about Carolina's defense holding serve yeah. throughout the regular season. Yeah. But when they went up against better competition, the defense could no longer hold serve. When yeah. they were truly challenged, that defense did not hold serve, thus putting the offense, Carolina's offense, in a position where they had to go and save the day with Drake May again. And obviously, Drake May was out of this world in the first half of in that the football first game, half, by the way. But, you know, things come back crashing to reality. Teams adjust. That's sure. another thing that had been a problem for Carolina. And 
did you learn the lesson of this season? Because I think for both Carolina and State, the, the bowl games were a microcosm of their season. They both lose. It's whatever. Obviously, the, the, the players want to win. But in the grand scheme of things, if you're a fan, you kind of shrug your shoulder and hope lessons were learned. In the case of in the case of Carolina, in the case of Carolina, yeah. it's you cannot out talent your way at that school like an Alabama might be able to out talent you. You don't have enough to out talent. You yeah. might have some talented guys, but you don't have sheer numbers like you do at some of the top tier programs that you see in the college football playoff, like at Georgia or Alabama or any other number of SEC schools. So you have to develop them. Will they actually develop a defense next season that won't get burnt like they did in their bowl game? And in the case of NC State, my curiosity for Dave Doran is, are you going to look over the last couple of years, see where the defense – I mean, NC State's defense, statistically, goes down as one of the best defenses they've ever had. What did you get for it? You ended up shooting yourself in the foot because – Quarterback injuries aside, you had winnable games there if you just got yourself stuck at a neutral. If you got yourself out of being stuck in neutral, I should say. Like, I get it's the Duke's Mayo Bowl, Mayo Bowl but you should not have an homage to mayonnaise offensively. Heck, mayonnaise is spicier than what we saw out of NC State's offense in that bowl game. Will Dave, with a new offensive coordinator, let him cook with something spicier than mayonnaise? Or are they getting yet another offensive mind to come in and be kneecapped by the way that Dave Dorn wants to win football games? That's the question. I don't know the answer to it. We'll find out next year, I guess. Next up. Number two. Speaking of offense, the Carolina Panthers have made do with what they had, and I give Steve Wilkes a lot of credit for finding themselves in position to win the division with two weeks remaining. But Tom Brady does what, Joe? What does Tom Brady do a good job of at this age with this Tampa Bay Buccaneers He can team? still run a two-minute roll. And he still keep you alive in the fourth quarter. Yep. And we've seen it a couple times this season. And when you've got an injured secondary the way that the Carolina Panthers do, Mike Evans was going to feast on you, and Tom Brady was going to take advantage of it. So the playoff hopes are dashed. No division in their future. And I, I think there's two takeaways for me. Beyond Tom Brady won't go away. The first well, one. He will. Well, just, are you sure? Just give it two more weeks. Are you sure? Well, no, he'll be back next season. We'll be with Tampa. I was going to say, I don't yeah. know where he's going to go. That's what I mean. Like, he's not going away, and he's going to still be a pain in the ass for teams, even next year. In diminished returns, but he'll still be a pain in the ass. We can stop kidding ourselves when it comes to Sam Darnold now. Sam Darnold, once again, the big issue that he has is he's turnover prone. Three turnovers in this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we can stop with, hey, you know, maybe there's something there with him. No, there's not. It's time to go in a different direction. The other part of it is Steve Wilkes. I was never sold on the idea that Steve Wilkes, to remove the interim tag, required him winning the division. This is where context is really important. When you look at what he was given in terms of a hand to win football games, he was severely handicapped. They traded away Christian McCaffrey. There was discontent with the wide receiver. They ended up getting rid of him. He cleaned further house on the coaching staff, right? Because of some of the guys that were Matt Rule guys. Sure. Then you got injuries. And you also have some draft picks that maybe didn't really pan out, right? So, all of this being understood, I thought, and I still think, that Steve Wilkes did a hell of a job getting buy-in 
and making the Panthers somewhat interesting down the stretch. Here's what I would like David Tepper to do. Outside of getting Sean Payton, outside of Jim Harbaugh, who apparently they had a conversation with, why don't you give Steve Wilkes an opportunity with a plan to actually win rather than handing the keys to a beater that Matt Rule left in the garage with no gas in the tank? Let's see. I don't. He clearly wants the job. Clearly, there is a buy-in from the players, and the fan base likes him. It'd be a good story. Does David Tepper want a good story and a potential good winning coach, or does he want to chase the next shiny object, in this case, Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, I was going to say, I think Tepper will have a harder time saying no to Harbaugh. I agree with that. Given the chance than he would with, you know, making a deal for Sean Payton. I, I don't see the Panthers doing that. I don't see the Saints doing that, quite frankly. Um, the most important thing for the Panthers is getting the right play caller, and then they're going to have to draft the right quarterback. So the, that's probably going to be the same person who does that. That person doesn't have to be the head coach. We, we've seen this with the Buffalo Bills, the Panthers North, the old Panther way, mm-hmm. Ron Rivera. You know, you don't have to be the play caller to be the head coach, but you, you have to have the right one, and you also have to have the right quarterback. By the way, Ron Rivera, my goodness, I really hope you weren't the one who chose Cam Wentz to be the starter of that game. Carson Wentz. Yeah, there was... Because that was, I mean, that was coaching malpractice. Also, it's it's open to interpretation as to whether or not Ron Rivera understood the implications of the game. You know, you know, you know what though? I'm going to defend him on that, in the sense that he knew they had to win the game. Yes. Okay. And you know, I, I some of these people playing gotcha with him because in the post game, him not knowing if I think it was Seattle, if Seattle had won, they were mm-hmm. eliminated. Like, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Like. I don't know every permutation of what's going to happen. I mean, he was trying to figure out the game. I have more of a problem with not starting Taylor Heineke. You talk about how the Panthers have well, what I'm responded saying. to Steve Wilkes. Did he know the, there could be a The Commanders responded to Heineke. That, that's, that's that's the problem. And that's the other thing too. So this this guy I think to, he knew I think he knew specifically if they did not win, mm-hmm. they would be in trouble. Okay. I think so he knew that. If you're trying to win, why didn't you play Taylor uh, That's Heineke? what I'm saying. Potentially, this is a Dan Snyder situation. Ding, 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 ding. You got to play this guy. Now, why you put up with that at this point in his career? Nah, he's done. I don't know. But the truth of the matter is, I'm not going to bag on a head coach in a post game that they're, oh, did you know? And it's like, who cares if he knew? Had no no outcome effect on the outcome of the football game. I mean, if I'm Ron Rivera, I'm leaving after the debut of Major Hog, the mascot. It's pretty frightening. Dennis will be able to catch this. Um, Dennis, doesn't the hog look like uh, the Bray Wyatt, one of the pigs? Oh yeah, from uh, Husky. Bray Wyatt Husky. Yep. Yes. The high. What is it called? Husky. The house. Hog. But the house. Next. Up. The thing. What's Next. Oh, I know you're talking. About. Next. What's up. he called? I don't even know. Oh, the number one story of the day. <laughs> We're number now you got one. We're number one. So we've we've spent a good chunk of the day talking about Carolina Panthers, what's next for them, draft, and who their next coach is going to be is, is the top story, obviously, for them. Uh, some of the bowl recap as well. But the, the big story of the day is what happened in Monday Night Football yesterday. And now that we've had some time to process what we all witnessed last night, I think people deserve a lot more credit than they're getting. 
I'll explain next. Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. I am the project manager. The Designery is a lovely kitchen, bath, and closet remodeling company. We do pretty much any of the utility spaces in your house. If you want to store things in your cabinets, if you want to work on things on your countertops, if you want to uh, have a floor that can get wet or muddy, we're the place to help you fix your home up. We are the Designery North Raleigh, located at 3030 Wake Forest Road in the Holly Park Plaza. We would love to see you or visit our website at thedesignery.com. If you miss anything from today's show, check it out on the Best of the OG podcast. Apple, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Five stars only. Positive vibes only. We got Stormwatch coming your way in about an hour. Carolina Hurricanes trying to keep those winning vibes going. We want those positive vibes. Five stars. You got Canes Corner Podcast brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. The morning after pod will be ready to go after tonight's game against the Rangers. Also check out the Best of the OG podcast. So last night I was not watching Monday Night Football. At that time, I was actually planning to tune in a little bit later. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals, Buffalo Bills. A big game. It's kind of a playoff preview in a lot of ways. Uh, Josh Allen, how healthy is he? Those kind of questions. I was actually watching another show with my older son that was going to flip it over. But, Joe, you texted me. Basically, it was something to the effect of, like, how can you possibly keep playing this game? I was like, what? 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 So I immediately flipped it over to ESPN. And sure enough, it didn't take long to catch up and, and see what was going on. And I and I kind of I prefaced this conversation ahead of time by saying I think people deserve a heck of a lot more credit than they're they're getting today because of the difficult nature of what happened last night. First and foremost, the two coaches, Sean McDermott, Zach Taylor, the Bills and Bengals respectively, deserve all of the credit for that game being suspended and it doesn't look like it's going to get replayed. At least the NFL said not this week. But there was some serious confusion as to how things were going to go forward. Here's Joe Buck on the ESPN broadcast laying out what he was told. Lisa, as we said, they've been given five minutes to quote-unquote get ready to go back to playing. That's the word we get from the league and the word we get from down on the field, but nobody's moving. That's the word we get from here, the word we get from down on the field. Troy Vincent, who's the VP of football operations for the NFL challenged that notion saying i'm not sure where that came from quote frankly there's no time period for the players to get warmed up frankly the only thing we asked was that the referee communicate with both head coaches to make sure that they had the proper time inside the locker room to discuss what they felt was best but espn has issued their own statement right now via the athletic quote there was constant communication in real time between espn the league and game officials as a result of that we reported what we were told in the moment and immediately updated fans as new information was learned. This was an unprecedented, rapidly evolving circumstances. All night long, we refrained from speculation. So basically what they're saying is what Joe Buck said is what we were told was happening. So this idea that the NFL wasn't telling the teams, hey, you got five minutes, let's keep it moving. Clearly, ESPN is doubling down, saying, nope, we are the league partner. We are trying to broadcast to the audience what is happening and we were not speculating in this situation we were telling you what was happening and this is what gets back to the central point somebody on the football field had to have the humanity and understanding of what was going on with teams 
Thankfully, the coaches, usually the ones who are viewed as the guys who can never think more than anything than football, said, whoa, no, we're not doing this, and they suspended that game. Yeah, Zach Taylor, 39, Sean McDermott, 48, mm-hmm. and you, you know we've talked a lot about mental health on this program. And they were the ones who walked over to each other and then walked over to the officials and said, this is not going to happen tonight. They weren't defiant. They were empathetic. Mm-hmm. and They were understanding of the moment. And if you didn't see it, Tamar Hamlin tackled T. Higgins. Tamar Hamlin, six foot, 200 pounds, Joe. T. Higgins, 6'4", 218, moving at full speed. It was a football collision. This wasn't a cheap hit. This wasn't a late hit. This wasn't a defenseless player. This was a six foot, two hundred eighteen pound man running at full speed, hitting and running into a six foot, two hundred pound man at full speed, and the collision was such that it caused cardiac arrest in Hamlin. Once he got up, he fell back to the ground. His teammates understood the urgency of that situation. The medical personnel came on the field. They performed CPR because he had died. he had died. His heart had stopped. Mm-hmm. They used the defibrillator, the uh, the AED equipment, properly to bring his heart back into rhythm and to help him get into the ambulance and help to get to the hospital where he is still being treated. The people, the medical professionals on that field last night saved his life. His teammates, while understanding the contract of what they sign up for when they play professional football, there was a, a different reality to it in seeing it in person and seeing someone be brought back to life because if you've never seen it before it's one of those things maybe you saw in a training video and maybe you don't even think twice about Mm -hmm. because you know what athletes always think joe and we've seen this with gms we see this with coaches i can fix them right or no 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 it's not going to happen to me that's not going to happen to me And, and god's the honest truth that's the mindset you have to have to play the game the way that they do Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org slash nc. So the Panthers season is a wrap. I mean, yeah, they got one more game to go. Week 18, but losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the fashion that they did, deflating, just and not only does Tom Brady still get it done against bad teams, this is the division he deserves to win, so to speak, at this at this point in his career and and where the Buccaneers are in terms of their actual Super Bowl chances. But they got a br- you you like to talk about Tom Brady having a horseshoe up his rear end, permanently lodged. I mean, the Panthers still had an opportunity to, to win that game on Sunday, and yet there was like a procedural penalty. Oh, I thought you meant the punter well, making it, the greatest escape like in the history of punting. And there's that too for Tampa. Yes, and there was an Ill- ineligible receiver downfield too, which ended up like not making it. I think it would have put it either a safety or like on the one yard line or whatever it was. Instead, no, it was negated because of an ineligible receiver downfield. And again, Tom Brady gets those breaks. He just like he lives a blessed life. I mean, it is what it is. I get at least a blessed football life, I should say. So I have a Panthers ticket from the preseason that I gave up on. Okay. Over six and a half wins. Oh, look at you, silly. What do you think? Yeah, I think they're gonna they're gonna close out and win one for 
for Wilkes. Wilkes. Yeah. Because okay. that's that's that to me is maybe it's a by. I will admit that maybe this is a byproduct of having done what I've done for too long. I'm totally here. Your radio scars. It's I don't even know if it's radio scars. You get to a point where there's you just don't like the direction in which things go sometimes. Okay. And my my issue with the way that we talk about NFL Mondays or Tuesdays in this case is that everybody's waiting for the result to double down on their initial takes. And I'm guilty of this from time to time. So there was a weird resurgence of Sam Darnold conversations because, well, they were winning. Therefore, Sam Darnold good. But if they lose, therefore, Sam Darnold bad. No, let's go back and look at the context of how they were winning those ball games. They went, they won those ball games because the defense balled out. They ran the ball amazingly well. I mean, what they do to Detroit? They they put up record numbers on the ground against Detroit. But people want to make it about Sam Darnold. Why are, you, are your brain so rewired by how first take happens that we have to talk about it from a quarterback's perspective? Sam Darnold had nothing to do with that game. But when Sam Darnold was needed. To be good, what happened? Turned the ball over a bunch. So thankfully, we can put to rest this. Statistically, had his best game of the year, by the way. Which is funny, but he still turned the ball over. Yeah. So thankfully, this puts to rest the Sam Darnold conversation because there's enough data on Sam Darnold to know what he's about. Here's what we don't have enough data on. Steve Wilkes, interim head coach. We don't have enough data on him. His one time as a head coach with the Arizona Cardinals was always set up for failure. They got him out of there because they wanted to bring in a package deal of Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. Of course, how's that working out for you, right? That back rela- to the drawing board. Back to the drawing board. And then when he took over for Matt Rule, this team was not in a position to win. It was in rebuild mode with the moves that they made. And despite all of that, they found themselves one game away from winning the division or being in position to win the division, which is now dead and buried because of uh, the loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I would like to see Steve Wilkes get an opportunity on a franchise that actually is trying to win. I, I mean, novel concept here, but if a franchise is trying to win, I feel like that's a better way of judging a coach's ability. Or at least with his hand-picked play caller and a quarterback that you take in the draft this I'd year. like to see that. I, I'm laughing, though, because I thought about you on Sunday night. Yeah. Did you see who won again? And he's just showing off at this point. Like Tomlin, the Steelers. Yeah. When you scoffed at like, oh, they're not playing to try to not have a losing record, they did it again. I know. And I it know. is like so obviously a driving force at this point. And I'm, yeah, I, I have no problems admitting I got that wrong. Because I was sitting here thinking, because the. Now, legitimately, for, they, they can make the playoffs. They need some help. Sure. I, I think their percentage is up to like 25% or something like that. The context here is that after the Steelers beat the Panthers, I Even called before it. they came to town. I called it. I called it for the Panthers. I said they're not making oh, okay. the playoffs because if you if you can't beat a bad Steelers team, knowing what the stakes are for you, and the Steelers' stakes are just this dumb, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season, fun fact, well, then you're just not good enough. But you know what? Maybe my little dismissive, who really cares about Mike Tomlin's fun fact, means something. I got that the wrong. The Steelers clearly do. I mean... It's kind of crazy. Matt Cannon is going to stick six. around, though, your boy. No. No, 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 no. He's going to show off once, 
an attempt to make the playoffs with Mac Canada. <laughs> but I, cooler heads will prevail. Right, they know. will not bring Mac Canada. Come on. I don't know. Something to something to keep an eye on. Something to keep an eye on. Please don't. <laughs> Dennis, the Pittsburgh Steelers fan, hoping that does not happen.